You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hopefully, everybody had a good weekend. I don't even remember. I'll be honest. I don't even remember what I did uh, this weekend. I don't even remember what I did yesterday. Life is absolutely crazy right now, just with the kids, kids' activities, work. I'm basically a daycare provider during the day. Here it is, 8 o'clock at night, and I'm just now starting to uh, get to work. And uh, so it is absolutely crazy. I had a, I had what I call a moment of zen today. And I don't know about you, but one place and one thing that just allows me to clear my mind and have like really crystal clear thoughts is when I am mowing my yard and I don't have a rider. I have a push mower and there's something about it that is just ultimately relaxing for me. And, uh, I love doing it. Uh, I, there's almost times where I mow my yard when it doesn't even need it just because it is, I don't know. It's just relaxing, man. I, I, I work out to reduce my stress I don't meditate. I don't really drink anymore. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I Mowing my yard is, I guess, as a uh, an adult now, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds absolutely crazy to say, but I like mowing my yard, man. And uh, today I did that and it helps me almost regenerate uh, or relax uh, and I don't know, then go take on the rest of the day. So uh, I don't know where that little rant came from, but uh, we have a we have a really awesome podcast today. We're going to be talking with Rick Mikey. Now, Rick is the owner and founder of a website and social media platform called Whitetail.com, and we have a pretty interesting conversation about why he thinks that you know the Instagrams and the Facebooks of the world are banning or blocking. Uh, content from hunters, outdoorsmen, you know, coon hunters, uh, trophy shots of elk and mule deer, any big game like that. And uh, it, it's just a really cool conversation about 
about that. And then we also talk about his new platform and how he says it will be different uh, than everything else that's already out there. It's a social media platform. I've been on it. It's uh, some in some way, shape, or form similar to Facebook, but it's dedicated to outdoorsmen. And, you know, there's no censoring of trophy shots or, you know, tasteful blood shots, you know, like uh, blood trails or or bubbles coming out of the lungs or stuff, you know, things that hunters may not get worked up about, but other people would. So his whole his whole point here is that he's created a social media platform specifically for hunters Uh, and we'll see how it works out, man. Uh, I've seen a lot of them come up since the birth of social media social media and they just never really take hold uh they never really uh grasp but you can hear in in rick's voice that he is ultimately motivated like he is really motivated to get this thing up the off the ground to get people starting to use it and uh in a in a way i I can't help but agree with what he says man uh first off on you know this is something that i didn't know until i started researching it and that is regardless of what you post on instagram only only like 30 percent of your content even gets seen right by let's say you have ten thousand uh followers only three thousand followers will see what you post right the other 70 percent the other 70 percent goes un goes unseen right so only 30 percent gets seen which is crazy um and so there there's that to take into consideration too so uh, no i don't know what the algorithm you know we really didn't get into algorithms and and how people will see i'm assuming it's everything all at one time right it, you know if i post something everybody has the opportunity to see it uh so really cool there's a lot you know go to whitetail.com and check it out first and foremost and i think uh it's something it's some it's honestly something to think about and i know there's other other um apps out there like go wild uh that is 100 percent focused to the outdoorsmen uh, i've you know i have a profile on there i have a profile on whitetail.com and i don't necessarily use it right now as much i i, I honestly need to but uh it's just a, another place for outdoorsmen to i can go and share their their content share their stories and uh it's you know why not? I say so. That's what today's episode is about. Uh, before we get into today's episode, uh, I also just want to say two percent for conservation is um, it's a it's an awesome organization. The Sportsman's Nation is a two percent for certified company. Uh, I'm on the board of directors for uh, the org as well. And I, I don't want to push you into uh, conservation because I think there is this, ultimately, if you want to be involved, you have to want to do it yourself. I think there's a lot of people out there and a lot of other organizations out there that are almost pushy, like, oh, you're not, cons- you're, you're not conservationing. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're not in the cool kids club. And I think some people get turned off by that. So I, I really don't want to pressure anybody. I, I think it's almost necessary. But I don't want to pressure anybody into, um, you know, going out and becoming a member of something. But just go to fishandwildlife.org. It is the uh, 
that's the the website for two percent for conservation and just read up on what these guys are about what we do and just how we don't really benefit from any of this everybody else benefits from it and uh i i just think it's uh I think it's a great organization and that's why I support it and that's why I'm on the Board of Conservation and that's why I rep it here on, uh, on this, uh, this platform. So uh, go check out fishandwildlife.org. And we got to do a quick commercial and I'm, I'm not going to do the whole spiel today. I just want to say huge shout out to Ozonics, Wasp, Lone Wolf, and uh, Jesus, Vortex, right? Those companies are just a bunch of badass people that work for them. I absolutely love um, all of their products. You know, I, I could sit here and go through. Huge fan of the the broadheads at Wasp. Life-changing events happen when I'm running in, in, in Ozonics. Um, a lone wolf 14 years ago or like 13 years ago was the reason I became one of the products you know, I don't want to say it's, it's the only reason, but it allowed me to be mobile, uh, you know, messing around with a lone wolf and, uh, it's allowed me to become more successful. And then vortex optics, man, just a company that just makes outstanding products has this awesome VIP warranty. And, and most importantly, the people who work at this company want to see you be successful in whatever it is that you're using their optics for whether it's hunting or bird watching or whatever they want to see you be successful in it and it shows so uh please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and uh man it's uh i'm just i don't know i hate i hate i hate to say i'm blessed but i'm blessed man i i, I the the network is taking off i'm having my best year ever financially uh which is just a testament to if i can do this dude i am nobody special if i can do this then you i know you can follow your dream or ambition of doing whatever it is in life if you want to collect stamps if you want to uh you know write blogs about golf or flowers or whatever your passion is in life and you want to get out of a shitty job you can do it and there are other people out there who will listen to what you have to say if you're passionate about it um and if you do it for the right reasons man and i i hope that the nine finger chronicles and the sportsman's nation um the content coming out of this camp is is for the right reasons i feel like it is and i hope you feel like it is too and if it wasn't for you guys listening to all the content coming out of the sportsman's nation nine finger chronicles hunting gear podcast i you know uh it it just blows my mind where everything's going and it makes me happy so i just want to share that as well but uh today we're going to get into this episode with rick mikey of whitetail.com three two one all right on the phone with me today mr rick mikey rick how are we doing today man i'm doing great dan good deal uh i hear you're down in uh where kansas right now trying to kill a turkey yeah i got some guys that are trying to kill some turkeys one of them had a little luck this morning good deal well i tell you what this past weekend i was one like it's funny how the hens dictate everything right i had i needed this gobbler he was in full strut came up gobbling the whole thing but he came in with some hens and uh, i needed him to take 
one big step away from this little brush pile, this down tree, and I would have gave him a face full, but uh, he did not do that. Uh, another hen started talking in the background, and he kind of turned around and went to her, and he was no longer interested in what I had to say. So uh, I missed that opportunity, and then it became a, a, a game of, you know, they're all on a different property, or they're with hens, or, you know, you know how the story goes. Yeah, I think when it comes to being non-cooperative, the deer and the turkeys are in the same union. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fact, man. They all—they're uh, all saying, "Okay, uh, this week uh, one of you is going to die, but uh, the rest of you just get back to work and and cause heartache for everybody." Absolutely. So, all right. So we're just going to kind of kick this off like uh, we always do, um, and the first question. I'm going to ask you is where do you live and what do you do for a living? Well, I, uh, I actually live in Kentucky and I, uh, I've been a consultant in the, uh, marketing world for a while. And, and, uh, that led me to run whitetail.com. Okay. And we're going to get into that part of the conversation here in a little bit, but, um, you know, marketing is kind of a broad term. I mean, uh, I was told by a professor in college that marketing is just a fancy word for sales. Um, so are you more in the sales line of things, uh, or is your experience more in the sales line or did you actually do creative like, uh, logos and, uh, literature and all that stuff? Oh, uh, we did a lot of promotions. Um, I actually, in another, in another one of my lifetimes, I actually traveled all over the world, in particularly Asia, and uh, helped help set up companies over there that marketed different types of uh, different types of products. And so, you know, you had to learn how to go in and create a a you know a marketing pitch or line um, for the uh, you know the people to understand what it was that you had to sell and why yours was better than everybody else's and kind of like what we do here, but, um, but get to do it in, uh, 15 different languages. Oh, wow. So from, you know, being from the United States, when you go over to a, another country, like I've never been outside of the United States other than Canada. Um, but when you go over to another country over in Asia or whatever, is there a big culture swing that you that takes some time getting used to well i think probably the first thing dan is is you know the first time you sat down to eat in most of those countries you you look at the at the food that's put out in front of you you wonder why would anybody have ever considered cooking that (laughs) (laughs) because because i'm telling you they will cook things that will just just shock you that yeah, I, I was sitting at a table and uh, was going to be talking to a group, and the, the guy who had invited me uh, sat down beside me, and we're doing this hot pot meal at a Chinese restaurant, and they brought out a turtle that had been completely cut up, and it was raw, and he quick grabbed his chopsticks, and he grabbed the head and the four feet and threw them in my pots because that was the delicacy. Okay. Was the turtle head. Yeah, and, and so... I, I, you know, he, he started talking to the group and I leaned over to my translator and I said, when he's not looking, switch pots with me because there's no <laughs> way I'm going to eat that turtle head or turtle feet. <laughs> that's funny. So, 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 you know, so that part, that's, that's the first cultural swing, but then every one of the different markets over there is different. And, and just a quick example in Japan, 
that people operate totally on logic versus emotion. And, and, and that's really kind of interesting because, you know, we as Americans, we get excited about something and we go charging into it and we make it happen. In Japan, they want to think it all through and look at it. But if you hop over to Korea, it's all emotion. And that's the way it is in most of the countries. And the people are, are, are very, very hard workers. And, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they go out and, and uh, you know, make lots of sales and do all of those things. But, but each one of them also has different, different customs. Bowing in Japan, as an example, is not at all required in any of those other countries. And some of them are more Muslim-related countries. And so you have to, you know, make sure what you wear and what you say and how you say it and, you know, you, 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 know, you, you can't sit there and, and prop your feet up because they see the soles of your shoes, and that's an offense to some people. Huh. So it, it's, a, it's a crazy world. We, I promise you, you know, being from Kansas originally, you know, we have that slogan because of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz where there's no place like home. And I promise you, when you get on that plane to fly back, you don't mind that it's 16 to 18 hours to get home because there's no place like home. Yeah, I believe you. And I tell you what, I, I'll be honest with you. I wish I made some of my hunting gear, not, not just hunting gear, but like a lot of my purchasing decisions based off of logic instead of emotion because uh, I got, <laughs> I have a garage full of crap that I don't even use, but it was cool at the time. And I thought, oh, dude, I got to buy this. And, and, uh, and now it just kind of sits there. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Yeah, man. So I, I've had turtle before too. And turtle, I, I, I guess the way we cooked it, I didn't, I didn't mind it too much. I mean, it had a different texture and a different uh, taste or whatever. It was almost like you could taste a little bit of the river that it came out of. It's not something that I would go out of my way and, you know, like budge in line to go get, but I, I tried it. I mean, what was, what kind of turtle was this that you were going to eat? Well, you know, they, they had him stripped down pretty good, so you really couldn't tell. Yeah. But you have to remember, I don't have an issue with eating turtle. It's the the feet and the head that I have the issue with. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, because, you know, I don't know about you, Dan. I've never been that hungry. And, we were in northern Malaysia one time, and they uh, ordered, the you know, for the the delicacy of the night was something called goose palm and i'm like what is goose palm and they go oh they'll bring it out you'll see and they bring it out and it's actually a goose foot that's been deep fried and then what they do is is they eat all of the webbing between the toes and then they eat the toes and i've never been that hungry either <laughs> so it's, it's just it's it's it, you know i mean I mean, you have to understand that uh, they say necessity is the mother of all invention. And, and uh, you know, in this case, you know, these folks, they this is what they had to eat. And this is what they they learned to prepare. And and uh, yeah, it, it, it's really it's really weird. But you also find out that it's not Chinese food over there. It's just food. Yeah, because, you know, most everybody in, uh, you know, in, in uh, probably 10 of the countries I spent time in, they you know, Chinese is a predominant culture. So, you know, they, they can go to a Chinese restaurant seven days a week if they want to, and it doesn't bother them. Yeah. Um, whereas we in the United States, you know, we want to, we have Chinese, we want something else the next night and something else the next night and so forth, but they'll, they'll eat it every day. Yeah. And that's kind of, uh, 
what you were talking about two things here remind me of indiana jones where they sit down at the buff at the table like i think it's indiana jones and the temple of doom where they're sitting at the table and all these different meals come out at one time and like monkey brains and and snake babies and and uh all the all these crazy uh uh things and everybody's enjoying them except for indiana jones and that uh that blonde in the movie so <laughs> i uh yeah i got a kick yeah, well, out of that, that. That's real, and there are places where you can go to these markets, and they will, you know, they'll actually uh, serve you the monkey's brains fresh, um, yeah. you know, right on the spot, yeah, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's it's, it's one of those places you don't want to spend a lot of time in. Yeah. Oh man. Well, there's that. <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, kind of go to uh, you know back to the beginning. All right. And I want to talk to you about, okay, so you were born in Kansas, right? Yes. Okay. Born in Kansas. Were you born into a family of outdoorsmen and women, or was this something that you picked up along the way? No, I actually was definitely born into a family of hunters. My uh, father and grandfather started a pheasant farm in 1962. Hmm. And they, uh, they, you know, they raised different types of pheasants, and then, you know, they got heavily into the ringneck pheasants. And then we started raising bobwhite quail and chucker partridge and and wild turkeys and and mallard ducks. And we had a, a shooting preserve as well. And, uh, and so I grew up, you know, everything from gathering the eggs, you know, taking the eggs, making sure that they were washed right, putting them in the incubator, you know, leaving them in there for whatever the appropriate time of of, of the uh, you know, I don't even remember. It's been so long since we've done since I've done that. But you know, they stay in the incubator for a while, and then after so many weeks in the incubator, they switch over to the hatcher, and then they're they're hatching that week and raise them all the way up from just little you know little brand new chicks all the way up until uh, we were either selling to other shooting preserves across the country or or uh, our hunters on our place were hunting them. Yeah, what did that teach you about animals? Because I I was on a f- I, I spent a lot of time on a, on my grandparents' farm growing up and you get to learn about, you know, where babies come from and, you know, how, how to raise an animal. And then eventually, you know, some of these animals get, get killed. What did that teach you about animals? Well, I mean, obviously the, the animals were put on the, on this earth, you know, for our benefit, but um, you know, it, you, you definitely learn how that life cycle works. My, my grandma, she's the one that ran the entire, hatchery side of things and you know when those chicks would come out you know you'd have to make a a, a split second decision as you're sitting there there's some you know you're actually helping out of the shells because they haven't got it picked all the way around there's others that are already running around in there and you get some that have challenges that you know they're not going to ever make it and you know you got to be able to make that split second decision am i going to give this thing another week when you know it's still not ever going to be able to walk or whatever yeah and you know and watching a 65 year old woman grab that thing and smack it on the table and be done with it. And, and you just, and not even give it a second's notice. It's a, it's a, it's a real, uh, you know, life lesson for you and yeah. realizing what, uh, what happens. But, you know, I just, I, I always loved wildlife, uh, because I grew up around it and, and, uh, you know, I got to travel to a lot of places, see what other people were doing. It let me hunt in different places and, and, uh, it, just, it was an enjoyable, you know, youth growing up into it. Yeah. So you, you know, you raised all those birds, um, at the same time, did you come up deer hunting and actually going into the wild and hunting those, uh, hunting those animals? 
Absolutely. When I can still remember, I was I was young enough then that Dad had had given me a twenty eight gauge eight seventy, and I couldn't even get that thing shouldered. I had to shoot it from under my arm position, and Dad took us on a prairie chicken hunt because we had a a field over on our farm where these prairie chicken would fly in every morning and every evening. And it was just like clockwork. You know, they'd come in in groups of, of 10, 20, 30, and we'd have about 200 birds a day coming in. And I'll never forget the very first time he took us or took my brother and I, uh, we were walking from the truck to the field and out of the field that we were walking along, a buck and two does jumped out of the field right into the road, stopped, looked at us for a second, and then moved on. And I can still see that eight-point buck in those does as clear today yeah. as it was, you know, back that many years ago. Yeah. When, when and you, I just loved it. Just yeah. absolutely loved it. And so deer was always my thing from that point. I I haven't shot a, you know, I haven't shot a pheasant in probably four years. I can't tell you the last time I shot a, a bobwhite quail or, and, uh, or a chucker partridge or, or a duck, but you know, deer, I mean, you know, come Kansas deer season, I can tell you where I'm going to be every year on opening day. Yeah, I feel you. So was there a moment, you know, obviously driving down and, and uh, you know, seeing deer and uh, driving around seeing deer and all that stuff uh, had an impact on you. But was there a moment while you were actually hunting? Um, and that could have been a, maybe a first encounter or your first deer where you had a, this moment where it was like, oh, my God. I want to do this all the time as much as possible every single year for the rest of my life. You know, that was probably uh, when I was in, at that time in Kansas, you had to be 14 to get a bow license or you had to be 16 before you could get a gun license. Yeah. And so it was, it was my first season bow hunting and I hunted and hunted and hunted and hunted. And, you know, and that's, you're a 14 year old kid and there's nobody else in your family that's a bow hunter. And, you know, dad took me to a place and we, you know, we, we got a bow, got it set up for me and all that. And I shot and practice, shot and practice, but you know, you didn't have, you didn't have these traditional stands. Now, you know, you put a, you put a, a, a two by six up in a tree somewhere, you know, and hope you can make the best platform and then hope you could get that tree climbed and, and do it quietly. You didn't know anything about scent control and, and at the last day of season, I was able to get a doe, and I thought that was the absolute greatest thing that could ever be accomplished. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my big, uh, my big moments as well. The 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 day I shot my first bow or my first doe with a bow, and that wasn't until I was twenty six. I had been hunting for several years before that, uh, and never really took it serious. You know, if it was raining, I wouldn't go out, or if you know, I, I hit that phase in my life where I, you know, I had high school activities and, and girls and sports. And then I went to college and, uh, you know, school and girls and other things. And then after all that is when I, when I finally got into it, but I can remember that first doe in 2006, like it was like, like you said, it's just ingrained in your brain and, uh, it's something that's always gonna, gonna sit with me. Well, my dad always took my brother and I with him, even before we could, you know, we could actually get a license and he would let us go sit with him in the mornings and in the evenings. And, and I knew when I started, that's the reason I started bow hunting because I had never even considered that, but I had spent so much time in the woods with my dad that I knew that I wanted to deer hunt. And I yeah. just, it, I just thought it was the most awesome thing in the world. And, you know, we just, uh, 
you know, you look forward to it. And, and uh, you know, I, I have not missed – I've not missed a season here. I'm 53 years old, and I've not missed a season here since – I think it was one time since I was 14 when I got my first license that I didn't actually draw a permit back when they used to have to draw here. Yeah. And so I've only missed one season in all those years. Okay. So you're 13 years older than me. What was – you know, Kansas, almost like Iowa, is a myth, mythical place. Uh, it's one of those places that every every whitetail hunter eventually wants to end up someday hunting because it's the it's it's a land of the giants, right? And anything can step out. Giant bucks in Kansas. Um, what was Kansas like back then when you were coming up compared to what it is now? Well, obviously, the management was not going on. It's here now, and. Well, you know, when I was younger, so let's say I would have started in the early 80s, but when I was younger, um, I didn't realize, or we didn't realize, you know, how big the deer actually were or how big they could be. And so, you know, at that time, it was the old, you know, if I can get a buck, it's a great thing. And so you shot a buck. And my dad had had this really big buck that he killed in the early 70s that, that you know, that he, he just had the skull plate up on the wall and you know, that was kind of something, you know, you, you, you didn't even think was possible. And in 84, no, in 83, my dad killed a 160-some-inch 11-point. And I'm like, golly, I can't believe how, how big these deer, you know, can really get. And so the next year, my brother killed a, a 165, 10-point, and uh, that was in 85. And, and, and I killed a deer in the probably in the low 160s that year. And it was the biggest deer I could ever imagine killing. And, and, and we just started progressing. And what we learned was, is, you know, you got to give them time. You got to let them grow up. But, you know, as much as giving the deer time, you know, you've got to take the time and just uh, look for the right deer versus looking for a deer. Because I, I've actually hunted a few states where they're, they're great trophy states today. And it's amazing that it's still a, if it's brown, it's down mentality, which that's fine if that's what somebody's goal is. Um, but, you know, it's, there's still a lot of people in the place where I was when I was younger. And since the mid eighties, we've just focused on, you know, waiting for, a, you know, a big mature buck. And if, if you don't get a chance to harvest one, you know, you eat your tag. Um, now in Kansas, you know, like always it's there, you know, there's lots of big property owners and lots of small property owners, but there's a lot more management going on. And people are just intentionally letting those deer get big so that, uh, you know, they have that opportunity. And, but what it, what, what it does for me, Dan, is that you know, my property that I own in Kansas, it gives me the opportunity to take other people because I've always got deer on my ground that may not be something to trip my trigger. And, and I don't mean that to sound cocky or anything else, but it's just I've been blessed to kill some really large deer over the years. Yeah. And so if I've got a deer that is a trophy of a lifetime for somebody else, but I've killed many deer bigger, I want to be able to let other people experience the deer of their life. And so yeah. I take people in there and we're, we're not far from a, from a military base. And so I try to take soldiers every year and, and take those on those hunts. And so they shoot a lot of our, you know, our, uh, uh, older mature deer that are, that are, uh, you know, not ever going to be a, a, a record book deer, if you will. I mean, let's face it very seldom do those come around anyway, but, um, these guys get the deer of their lifetime or at least get the opportunity. And, and some of them shoot your up and coming three and a half year olds because they just get so excited and, and they think that's the one that they're supposed to shoot. And, and, you know, but, it, but it's okay. You know, 
um, I like doing stuff for the soldiers and they've done so much for all of us. And, and, uh, but there's something there for everybody. If that, yeah. if that makes sense to you, you know, you can, you can take care of people and give them what they want and accomplish the management goals and all of that stuff. Yeah. Let me, I'm going to ask you a, a question and it's going to lead to another question. Um, how many deer would you say that you've killed over 160 in since you know since that first deer in the 160s that you shot? Probably 20. 20. Okay. So even even for me, right? I I have yet to um yet to shoot a deer in the 160s, all right? And I'm 40. And I've hunted, you know, I've I've put in what I say is the time I work hard, I look for the right deer, whatever. My question to you is, um, there is a focus on antler size, uh, in the hunting industry, right? And to a point where I feel like sometimes the message, uh, that certain people are preaching is unattainable for someone like you who has shot 20 deer over, you know, what I I would just say 20 deer over big. It, what what's your thought on antler size and measuring and ranking uh, a, a whitetail based off of its antler size? Well, you know, an, a trophy is whatever someone considers a trophy to be, right. whether it's a doe or whether it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, these guys that, uh, that I come, I bring in to hunt that you can kill a 140 inch deer. That's got, you know, seven inch bases and then six inch seconds and fives and five just massive big old pig of a deer and that's a deer that most people would never even dream of getting a chance at and and that makes it great somebody else might kill you know a a, a two and a half year old six point in the you know and i guarantee you there's there's not a guy out there in this country that's that's a, a, a trophy deer hunter that doesn't have that small buck on his wall because that's where he started yeah he just decided he wanted to progress I have absolutely, I'm not a, I'm not a trophy snob. I, you know, I just, I just, I just love to chase the big deer and I've had, you know, as many as five big bucks shot on my property in a year and I not fill my tag, but I put each one of those guys on a deer because, you know, I wanted them to be able to get one. It it seems like now it's, it's getting to where the management side leads you to, Hey, let's, uh, let's let more people enjoy it and see that what we're doing is really working. And, uh, you know, and if I can do that for people, I like to do it for the soldiers. I like to do it for kids, um, you know, all of those things. And that's really important. So a trophy is what you make of it. You know, to yeah. answer your question, it's, it's all it is. It's what you make of it. And everybody's is going to be different. And you know what? When you walk up to somebody and you look in the back of the truck and they're excited, no matter what they got, you, you know, you slap them on the back and you congratulate them and you tell them that's a great deer because it is. Yeah. Because too many people want to say, well, why the heck did you shoot that? Yeah. Well, why not? It's what makes him happy. I mean, you know, I mean, don't degrade somebody else's because it's not where you want to be. Everybody should enjoy what they do and nobody should, nobody's opinion should outrank anybody else's. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I could not agree more. I feel like hunters, especially bow hunters go through a, a somewhat of a progression, right? Um, I started when I, when I was, you know, younger, I would have shot anything that walked by. And then when I 
when I got serious, uh, you know, in 2006 is when I say I got serious. Um, I started looking at age and I started looking at antler size and I started, you know, trying to get the best buck on the property and chase, you know, and chase those things. And I think there's different levels that people take. And, and the last one, it sounds like what you're in right now. And that is helping others attain some of their goals, um, uh, because of the knowledge that you've gathered over the years and the fact that, Hey man, I've, I've shot plenty of big deer and I want to help other people do it. And I think I'm, I'm a couple steps behind you where I'm in the, I want to shoot a big deer uh, category right now. And, uh, I think as my kids older, that's going to shift towards helping them get, you know, excited about hunting and the outdoors and things like that. Do you, do you have a specific moment or memory where you were, you know, cause there's times where even, even me, where somebody on the farm shoots a big deer and I'm like, God darn it. I wish that was me. You know, <laughs> like I was chasing that deer too and, and, and someone else shot it. But in the end, I, I congratulate him. Do, do you have a moment where you, maybe you can remember where that shift kind of took place to, to where you were happy for someone else's success? Well, uh, you know what? Over the years, Dan, I've watched so many people. Uh, trophy deer or deer in general make the average person an idiot. Amen. You know, we 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 all get we all get ate up and crazy over it. And I mean, to the you know the point in some areas of you know people kill a big deer and somebody's calling the game warden because somebody killed a big deer. Yeah. And and for me, I I saw that early on because I saw how jealous certain people would get, and so. I've just always congratulated everybody, even if you've got to sit there and bite your tongue and, and, you know, and kind of cuss under your breath a little bit that they killed one, you, you know, you put the smile on and you shake their hand and tell them it was a great job. They killed that deer. And, and, you know, um, you try to, you know, share if, and now in these days of the trail cameras, you know, you say, Hey, I got trail camera pictures. If you don't have any, and, or I've got sheds and, you know, I've had people give me sheds and I've given sheds to people off a deer that either I harvested or somebody else did because those sheds will mean more to them if they killed that deer. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's what, that's what we need in this, you know, in this game, it's not an industry. It's just, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun sport that we participate in. We just need more people, you know, hugging on each other and loving each other and having the camaraderie instead of the, you know, I'm ate up with it to the point where I, all I see is red all the time. I yeah. mean, because it gets, it can be miserable. And I, when I, when I bought my property, I had an outfitter on each side of me and I thought, gosh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a long road. And the one outfitter, he, you know, he had uh, feeders right on my fence line and, you know, he had an acre of timber on, on his side of the fence and you know up against my timber and he was trying to pull deer out and, it took me about six years to really get to know him. And now we're friends because we both have the same long-term goal, which is to shoot deer that are five and a half or older. And, you know, not, you know, not, so I didn't have to worry about them knocking them off. Um, the outfitter on my other side is now gone. And uh, I got people that own it now that don't hunt. But last year they let people in there and they, you know, they killed five bucks in, in one day that combined wouldn't score 150 if you added all of their inches up on all five bucks. And, you know, <laughs> those, those kind of things will make you a little bit sick because it's like, these are all deer that we want to let grow up. And I told the, the guy that owns it, I said, look, I said, it's not, 
it's not about um, – he goes, well, look how happy they are in the pictures. And I said, well, that's great that they're happy. I said, but they would be happier if they got a bigger buck. I said, I don't have a problem with somebody shooting one that I've raised, you know, that I've, I've put the nutrition into and because he's living on both sides of the property. I can't control what he does, but give them a chance. And I said, you think the guys are happy now? Let them get a couple more years on each one of those deer, and they'll be that much bigger, and they'll even be, you know, have bigger smiles on their face. So, you know, it's a, it's a situation where you just you grin and bear it, and you try yep. to get along with everybody, and uh, it doesn't always work out, but you do your best. Right. Yep. And you know, uh, just like you said earlier, uh, it's not necessarily the size of the rack that m- makes something a, a a trophy for people and and uh i'm you know i'm i am the kind of person who lives by the motto well not fully in every aspect of life but when it comes to hunting if it feels good do it you know if 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 you're going to get excited about uh you know shooting a four corn buck well be excited about it but then don't turn around and go oh well yeah yeah, yeah. Say something dumb and degrade the animal that you just shot because of a small antlers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Listen, I walk. No matter what a deer is that I shoot, I walk up to that deer, and the first thing I do is I look up and point to heaven and say, "Thank you, God." You know, because yep. I, I got the opportunity and I got that deer. And you know what that deer? And I've shot the wrong deer before. Just a few years ago, I was hunting a a really big deer and. And I watched him walk into a draw, and five minutes later, he came back out of that draw, and, and I was gun hunting, and he walked back out of the draw, and I, you know, I, I, the, the sun was setting, obviously, in the west. I was facing west. You know, I, I could see that it was the buck. I swung up on him went with, my, with my sticks, put it on him, shot him, dropped him, and got over there, and I said, what have I done? This is not the deer. Yeah. But you know what? I thank God for that deer too. And, uh, yep. you know, because he provided that one for me. And, and you know what, Dan, that, that, that same buck that I had been hunting got bigger the next year and I was able to harvest him and, and he was an even better deer than so. So, you know what? I mean, you, you got to give thanks where they're due and, and don't get greedy. Absolutely. Amen on that. All right. So I want to kind of transition into a new part of your life now. Um, and that is whitetail.com. Why don't you just kind of break down what whitetail.com is and why you decided to start this new kind of journey in your life? Okay. Well, uh, let me tell you what whitetail.com was and now what it is. But it was started about 20 years ago by an awesome guy named, named Johnny Miggs up in Wisconsin, John Miglotch. And John started that company and, and and had basically a nice forum and so forth on his website. And he got hacked, and, and so he just kind of let it sit there. And I was I was working with um, a mutual acquaintance of yours and mine who's in the tree stand industry, and we were talking about social media and talking about forums and cause we were trying to help a buddy with a, a forum that he has. And, uh, you know, I told him I had this platform, it was a social media platform similar to Facebook, Instagram, those types of things. And he said, well, why don't you use that for deer hunting? And I said, you know, to be honest with you, we had spent eight years developing it, but we had never thought about using it for, for the, you know, the, the sport that I love. And so we, we looked at, is this necessary? And, and what we were finding was, is it on, you know, on all of these big social media sites that are out there, there are people just like you and I and, and all of your listeners 
who are getting their content, you know, whether it's their photos or whether it's their stories or their videos, they're getting them censored and they're in a lot of cases are getting them blocked or they're getting warnings put up. And, you know, the, the big guys in Silicon Valley are not the friend of the outdoors, you know, the outdoorsmen at all. And so we thought, what if we could create a cool social media platform and could do it just for hunting, not just deer hunting, but just hunting in general, where people can go up there and not worry about their content getting deleted or censored or, or, or just uh, uh, war, you know, warnings put on it, and where people can go be themselves. They don't have to worry about getting attacked by you know, the anti-hunters out there. And, you know, it's like, well, why would you shoot that deer? Why, you know, why didn't you let that poor thing live? You know, you're a killer. You're, you're a murderer. You know, all these different things that we've heard. And so we thought, gosh, you know, we've already got the platform. We've spent, you know, uh, you know, seven figures building that over the years. And there's, you know, there's 12, 13, 14, 15 million whitetail hunters out there. Why don't we, uh, why don't we do something for them and utilize this, you know, this platform just for them and give them a nice safe home where they can uh, do it. And so once we decided that's the direction we wanted to go, we approached the owner of whitetail.com who was not using the site at that time and said, Hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. We want to do this social media platform and you know, your, your site is up, but you don't have any activity and you haven't had any activity to speak of for 10 years. And he said, I love it. I love it. You know? And so we put a deal together that made sense for everybody because we knew that in deer hunting, everybody knows what whitetail is. Everybody knows that it's the number one game species on the planet. And, and uh, we couldn't think of a better name than whitetail.com to use for our social media site. So we put it all together and we launched it off in March. And, uh, you know, now we're just, we're growing it on a daily basis. Gotcha. All right. So you kind of, answered both of those questions uh in in a roundabout way why why do you think that like uh people holding a a deer with a smile on their face or you know someone a a video of someone shooting an animal uh you know and showing excitement why do you think that the big facebook's and instagrams are are censoring some of that content I think most of it is they just they're just bowing to pressure. Um, you know, there's there's so many people out there that didn't grow up like you and I, Dan, that that grew up hunting and having the love of it, and you know they don't they don't understand what the real circle of life is. They don't know that if you don't harvest deer um, or other game species, that they'll eventually, you know, consume all of their habitat and, and they'll die and uh, you know uh, horrible deaths and. They don't, they don't understand how it all works, but they can't fathom somebody, you know, dragging a thousand pound marlin out of the water or a 200 inch deer. They just think that that's terrible. And I just think it's all about, you know, where they come from, what, you know, the way they were raised and what they believe. And to be honest with you, there's some people who just like to hear the sound of their own voices. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the cancel culture stuff in these days and just, just in general, people wanting to complain. I mean, people will complain about something just so they can be the first one to complain about it, even if it's not really a problem to try to create a problem. Right. And, and, and that's why I believe that you see, you know, what we love getting attacked so much is because it's an easy target. And, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people up there that are posting on Facebook every day. Um, you know, they're posting their videos of their turkey hunts and their, 
the deer hunts. And the truth is, is most of them aren't getting any views. And it's because they're just one thing in a big um, arena of a lot of things. You know, they're, they're a turkey hunt in the arena of, you know, 10,000 different topics. And they don't know how to, you know, set it up where people can find it and do all of those things. And, and that's why we set this up the way we set it up. So it makes it easy for people to be seen because people love to share their stories. I mean, we all love to tell our stories and we all love to share our stories and hear the stories of our buddies. I mean, I, we've all been in some kind of a camp, whether it's a camp back at home when we go back for a deer hunt or a turkey hunt or, or whether you're, you're going on an outfitted hunt somewhere. Everybody loves hearing those stories. And the people that are our family and friends, we've heard all of those same stories a hundred times, but we get just as excited the hundred and first time we hear them. Right. And, and it's it just, that, that that's the good stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to uh, a community, right. And one thing that even I have seen some things that would, I don't want to say like, if I see, a, if I watch a video and I see a broadhead go through a deer and then it starts sneezing blood out of its, you know, out of its nose and it starts to struggle and it falls over. I look at that and I go, my, my God, that is an awesome shot. That white tail died ethically and it's a big deer or whatever the, the guy's going to, you know, that I'm excited for that person. Um, do you think there is like, do you think there's a big disconnect between that and, and actually like, cause a cow and a pig and a turkey and a chicken go through something similar, but, uh, have a much rougher, uh, and, and, uh, life, you know what I mean? From a, produ- a food production standpoint, do you think there's a big disconnect from, um, the hunting people who see hunting as a problem, as opposed to, let's say like raising livestock? Yeah, they just, you know, like I say, they're not raised that way. And so, you know, they don't realize, you know, they go to the store and they pick up their, their chicken yeah. and they pick up their beef or their pork, if, if, if they're not a vegetarian, um, you know, but they, they, they go and they get it and they don't really want to. It's not that they don't know where it comes from. They don't want to know where it comes from. Right. They don't want to know what the, the, you know, the specifics were of that. I mean, listen, if you've ever lived on a farm and you've ever helped butcher, butcher chickens, you understand what the phrase a chicken with its head cut off is. Yep. And, you know, the, you know what? There, there's chickens that, uh, you know, that, that, that they kill to butcher that are still getting their heads chopped off. They're just not flopping around as much um, or or maybe they do and people don't know it. And now does it make that? chicken taste any different no but not knowing it makes them feel somehow superior to the rest of us who know what real life is like and and so why look you can look at anything you want to and come up for a reason for it yeah whether you like it or you hate it everybody can come up with something you know you see that ethical shot and they see that as that poor thing is suffering and 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 you know when they have to you know shoot that cow in the head three times to finally get it down you know how is if we're you know it's a beef processing plant yep. um how is that any different it's it's yeah it, it's just it's just all about what and i again i think it's what they really want to know even though i think down that, that deep down most of them know it but they just if you look the other way you, you don't have to acknowledge that you know it right okay so 
we we have a group of people who uh, are influencing some of this big tech to, uh, you know, censor some of the things that us as outdoorsmen do. But do you feel that there are things that outdoorsmen, men and women are currently doing that maybe even cross a line and say, geez, man, why did you post that? Like uh, maybe some guy in just his underwear riding a dead deer or, you know, some, you know, somebody putting a, a dead animal in their mouth or, you know, things that are maybe even cross the line as far as, uh, you know, even what us hunters like to see. Well, there's definitely things that we all see that we just shake our heads at and say, why in the hell would you post that? Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it, those things are okay if you want to show them to your friends. Um, the world doesn't necessarily need to say that. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not the guy who is, is a, uh, a censor. You know, I'm not going to tell you what you can say. I will tell you this about Whitetail. If it's something that's in really bad taste, you know, we're going to ask you to take it down if it's if it's something that's really really bad taste. We we are trying to be very family friendly, Dan. Friendly, Dan. You know, yeah. we've got younger younger people on the site, and we've got ladies and and men and 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 boys. We just we don't need, you know, we don't need the crazy stuff. But yeah, there there are some things out there that you just have to, you know, wonder what somebody was thinking. Um, you know, and, and just in the UK. In the last three months, there's been, or maybe in the last two months even, uh, they have went after several groups for what they call animal cruelty videos. And they're not what you and I would consider an animal cruelty video. My understanding is some of it is stuff that is more on the hunting line. But again, it's just what anybody's interpretation is. And see, that's another reason why we did what we did at Whitetail is because you know, they start out with one thing, but before you know it, they're going to come for everything and they're going to say, okay, we, we just, it can't be any more blood sport on our, on our websites anymore. And, and so we're trying to get out ahead of that to where, you know, uh, people have got this safe place to go. And, uh, but, but, uh, we, you know, we want to, we want to keep it good. We, we've only asked for one thing to be deleted on the site so far and, uh, and and it was actually a meme, and it just, uh, you know, I can see why uh, some people might have thought it was funny, but uh, it just it wasn't kid or or, or uh, uh, gender appropriate, so to speak. And and so we just said, hey, would you take that down? You know, you can put all the the harvest photos and all of the videos of, of harvesting stuff, but you know that doesn't need to be on the site. And you know, we're we're certainly not prudes. You know, we're just good Midwesterners. You know, and and. Uh, like to have a good time like everybody else, but there's a time and place. I always, I always have, have used this expression. If you would be embarrassed to show that to your mama, don't post it on the site. Right. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. So you've created this, um, this, this social platform, and right now it's it's currently just a website, right? Do you have any plans to make it uh, an app for mobile devices like your phone? Yeah, we actually have the apps done for for both of the main stores for for Apple and and, uh, and Android. We just haven't posted them yet. The the biggest challenge it's crazy. You know, we're not we're not a sales company, Dan. We will sell some some uh, some swag, you know, some hats and shirts and hoodies and stuff as we go forward. But what most people don't realize about Apple in particular is that if you use an app to go into it and then you buy something that that app is automatic, you know, that the app store, in this case, Apple 
automatically takes 33 and a third percent of the transaction. They keep it for processing. Whereas if you go to a grocery store or gas station or anything, use your credit card, they're charging about two and a half percent to that merchant. Um, you know, on the high side, maybe three and a half percent, but Apple takes 33%. And so we have just been working on ways to legally get around that so that we don't have to give up 33% of what we make. Cause we don't, we don't, uh, like I say, we don't intend on being a company that's selling anything other than, you know, than hats and shirts and so forth. But at the same time, you know, we don't want to lose money on everyone we sell because we'll sell our stuff at a, a you know, cheaper price. And, and so those have been developed for months. We just haven't, we just haven't turned them loose. I expect to turn them loose in the next four to six weeks. Um, but we have to put them up there. Apple and Android will go through. They have they have these committees that they go through. They look at your app. They look at the technology on the back end to make sure that you're not circumventing them. So we'll probably end up just you know selling our stuff on the main whitetail.com page when you know when people can just log into that versus on the social side of things. Okay. All right. So everybody is on facebook everybody is on instagram you know there's even some other uh um places that some of the younger generations are on um what makes you think that you can create a a platform that is going to be the next place for all outdoorsmen to come and 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 post and share and join this community that you're trying to create well it's probably because it's a place by hunters for hunters so we understand we understand what people want and what they like and and what they'll tolerate, and uh, and we want to give them that we want to give them that safe haven where they're not getting it now, and so we're never going to be think about it like this. There's like say let's just say 15 million deer hunters out there. We're not going to get all 15 million deer hunters on our site, but Facebook's got over a billion people on their site in general, and so does I don't know what Instagram's numbers are, but they're crazy numbers like that. We're not trying to build something as big as them. We're not trying to replace them. We're trying to give people a place that they can go and have fun with people that that's what they're focused on. These are people that are outdoors people. They just want to post post their pictures. They just want to post their videos. They want to be able to chat with their friends. They want to get an education, you know, whether it be on habitat or, you know, how to on these things, why I should use these products, why I should use these tree stands, you know, whatever it happens to be. We want to be able to get that information there in a one-stop shop. We, we actually, Dan, have got it set up so that as we go forward, um, you know, we haven't done it today because we're just, you know, we've just got the site up and going, you know, got the, the, the whole thing running. But ultimately, there will be a place there for 57 different states and provinces and countries. So Mexico will be involved, seven Canadian provinces that have whitetail. And then most of the, most of the United States, um, you know, anything that actually has whitetail deer, you'll be able to go click on the calendar or on the, excuse me, on the Atlas on that state. And it'll give you all the information for that state. It'll, you know, get you directly connected into when all their seasons are with their, their, their division of uh, natural resources or wildlife and parks or whatever they happen to call it. And so we want to be a resource for people where it's a one-stop shop. We want outfitters to be on there, um, people that are selling ATVs, bow shops, gun shops, taxidermists, all of those things. We want it's a place where they can go. If you're, if you're in Iowa like you are and you want to know, you know, you already know who the best taxidermist in your mind is, but, you know, if you're in uh, Sioux City, um, you might not want to run over to, uh, you know, to the, 
the eastern side of the state to get a deer mounted. You might, you might not. Um, and so we want to be able to show you this group of people that are available and help you find somebody in your area. Um, and so it's going to be a resource that is built just for this particular group of people. And, uh, and we think that that's something that's definitely needed um, that'll get you covered, you know, in the entire whitetail universe. Yeah. What do you envision your users to do while on this site? I mean, the same thing that they're doing on, on Facebook and Instagram, basically sharing their stories, sharing pictures, um, like joining groups and things like that. Yeah, because the learning curve is not going to be hard for most people. You, you know, I think you would be surprised at how many people that are hunters actually don't have a Facebook or Instagram page. Um, and they're never going to have one. Uh, they just, they just are an account rather. They're just not interested in it. Um, and so, and, and we get that, but we want, we set this up. So it's super easy. So you can come post your picture. You can tell your story and post your picture. You can like what everybody else is doing. If you see something that you like, you can, you can share that. I mean, you can actually on our site, if you want to put something on Facebook or you want to put something on Instagram or one of those, you just simply hit the share button connected to that story and you can share it, you know, to your wall on one of those other networks if you want to do that. But we, we want this to be the place for people to go. So it's easy for them to follow. It's easy to learn. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to have to learn how to use this. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I am not a social media guy. I mean, yes, I developed a social media platform, but I brought on really good people to do that for me. And, you know, I, I knew what we needed. And I talked to a lot of people as we built this thing over the last eight years. But I've recently started going in and we set up, you know, we set something up over on Instagram as an example. And I can't figure Instagram out. And you know what? I'm not going to take the time to figure Instagram out because, you know, yeah, you can post a picture. Um, you can post multiple pictures, but I could, I can't even figure out how to get a profile set up there. Whereas ours, it just, it's just boom, 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 one, two, three, ABC. It walks you through it. And so you don't have to have any experience. You just have to know how to get a browser open on your phone or, you know, on your computer and it works for everybody. And that's, that's what we wanted to do is make it simple because like I say, these people, um, are not users of typical social media. The average person in deer hunting, if they're not on one of those social sites, they're on a forum. And there's a lot of good information on different forums that are out there in the whitetail world. We wanted to kind of give them the best of all of those worlds where, you know, you, it's, a, it's a little more interactive than the forums. People seem to post pictures from all over versus, you know, a lot of the forums are kind of, it's, they're either just bow hunting or they're state related or, or they're just gun hunting or, you know, and you're always going to have people that say, Hey, I don't want, I don't like party hunting or, or I don't like bow hunters. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny, you know, you get them going back and forth. The people all love deer hunting, but they only like their kind of deer hunting and they don't like what other people are doing. Well, I think there's a room for everybody. And that's why we have multiple seasons in every state. Right. 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 Do you think this is, uh, um, do you, do you envision this being a community? Cause right now what, what I see is, you know, I see a lot of awesome, positive things from social media and the outdoors, but at the same time, there is a lot of hunter on hunter. You know what I mean? Like, oh, crossbows should be illegal versus compound bows versus gun hunters versus, you know, like different types of camo, 
even like dumb things. Um, do you do you see this being a I guess a a, um, a petri dish for that, or do you think this this type of uh, hunting only just solves some of those problems and and makes people talk about that those type of things more? Well, I, you know, I, I can't answer that question because, you know, as we go forward, time will tell because, right. you know, we, we just we just keep adding members every every week. And, you know, and, and we haven't had any fights on the site yet. Now, you have to understand we're not really big yet, you know, but we get bigger every day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's there's always going to be somebody that wants to start a fight. And and we'll simply handle that with, you know, look, guys, let's let's kind of keep this on the straight and narrow here and you know this is this is a fun place to be let's not let's not you know get into the peeing contest let's just uh let's just let's make this work for everybody and uh you know we don't we don't want to have anybody have to be removed from the site but if we get people that are doing things that are not uh you know based on the direction that that we want the community to go then you know we're going to ask them to move to another community and i mean i think you have to do that it's not censoring it's just you know, the, the cancers that are out there on so many of these social sites where you're getting attacked and, and a lot of the stuff where you get attacked is from people that are antis, but, but, you know, you're, you know, when you, you mentioned it about uh, one of my pet peeves is people call them cross guns, you know, it's not a gun, it's a bow. It's turned sideways. Yes. It's got a trigger. Yes. It can have a scope. It can do all of those things, but you know what? It allows some people to get out and hunt. Now, they say, yeah, but they're killing all the big bucks, you know, and, and they wouldn't be killing these big bucks otherwise. Well, you know, and, and I've seen there's some stats out of Wisconsin and some of the different places. I know Iowa is fighting very hard right now to keep keep crossbows, you know, out of the general public's hands, you know, and they don't want everybody to get them. And, and, and I get that. But here's the thing. Um, and somebody who, you know, I'm not sure exactly where you are in Iowa, but let's just say you're, you know, if somebody's in the Des Moines area, and somebody shoots a deer with a crossbow um, in a Tumwa, that was not near the property that you hunt anyway. So why are you so tore up over what's going on? And I'm, that's not me picking on Iowa. I'm just using it as an example. I mean, we've had crossbows for years here in Kansas. And what it's done is, it, yes, it has got more hunters out during the rut than ever before. But at the end of the day, the reason most people don't kill a big deer, Dan, is because they don't put the time in. Right. Either they don't have them or they don't put the time in. I mean, the reason I've had the success that I've had is because, um, you know, I told you I bow hunted when I was younger, and then I switched over because I just uh, I live 550 miles from my property, so I'm just I'm not uh, I'm not able to be here being a tree during the rut, so I gun hunt. But there's 12 days of gun season, and I hunt all 12 days, and I put the time and effort in when you know I come to town you know, after my morning hunt and I see everybody either working at their job or they're, you know, they're in the coffee shop having something to eat or drink and they haven't been out in the morning because they had other things going. I'm putting my time in out there in the field. And the reason I have success is because I'm willing to do things that other people won't so I can have the things that I want. And now does that mean I'm going to get a deer? No, but I'm going to certainly put the time and effort in to try it. And if everybody would do that more, we'd be better off. So now you get people that are out there with their crossbow during the bow season. Most of them will go buy a crossbow and they'll go set three or four times during the season, but they're not out there every day during the rut like people think they are. I mean, because a lot of these guys here in Kansas are farmers, you know, and they're still harvesting corn, maybe even soybeans in November. 
And so they're not uh, spending nearly as much time out there, but it gives them some time that they can hunt that they wouldn't have otherwise. And so I think, I I don't want to see everybody just expand it to whatever, you know, I mean, I know how worked up people get about it and I get it, but you know, the, uh, you want people out there, you want them to have the opportunity. And, you know, I started with a bow and went to a gun, you know, some people start with a gun and go to a bow. Um, and, and that's okay. It's just, it's whatever trips your trigger, so to speak. And everybody, it, it goes back to what you asked about the trophy earlier in the show, you know, a trophy is what you make of it. And, and I want, you know, I want to get the biggest deer that I possibly can. Um, and, and, and I've changed my tactics over the years. You know, I used to be a guy that we, we, we group hunted a lot. We had a lot of property that we hunted. We had a lot of friends that were involved and we, you know, in Kansas, we have party hunting, but it's not like Iowa where, you know, somebody else can shoot the deer and then somebody in the group can tag it here. You have to shoot your own deer. So it's a little different, but we would do organized deer drives. And now, you know, I can't tell you the last time we did one because we've just kind of all changed our, our habits and everything. And we do, you know, almost exclusively stand hunting now or glassing in the morning and try and do a spot and stock. And, um, you know, it's, it's, everybody has to adapt. And, and, you know, the only thing in life that is constant is that everything changes. Yeah. And yeah. so a lot of people are inflexible and they just won't adapt. And if we could get them to adapt, man, it would be great. Yeah. All right. Here's your pitch. Um, you know, let's say there's a guy who hears this and he's debating on whether or not he should go, uh, you know, log in and sign up for whitetail.com. Uh, why do you think that this person should do that? Hey man, it's the only place to be. I mean, if you love to deer hunt and you know, you want to be around like-minded people that enjoy the same things you do that, you know, they're going to post some awesome pictures or they're going to give you some tips on something that might make you a better hunter then it's it's the absolute place to be and knowing that uh, we're not going to ask you to take that content down because you know you gave us a nice grip and grin photo with your big buck we're not going to tell you that it's too bloody or too gory um you know and so it's a good safe home and we want you all there i mean i mean look everybody think of it like this it's a virtual bed of a pickup truck and who doesn't like to have a group of guys standing around a bed of a pickup truck looking in? I mean, the only people that, that, that don't like it are the guys that don't ever have a deer in the back of the pickup truck. And so this is your place to, this is our virtual bed of the pickup truck for everybody. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we're doing this, Dan, right now at the hardest time of the year. I mean, this is, this is the time of the year when most people aren't thinking about whitetails. You know, they're not thinking a lot about hunting. They're thinking about, you know, kids in prom and graduations and and hopefully a summer vacation and come july they're going to start seriously thinking about deer hunting but we're going to put in a tremendous amount of users during that time and you know we hope the people listen to the show will join us and and enjoy it and post some good pictures and content and tell us their stories and and you know start pages and groups and you know i mean this is just going to be a fun time for everybody and if we can get more people involved year round um, it's, it's, it's better. And this is not going to be a site where it just sails in your face because we're not doing that. Yes, we have advertisers. It's free to you. And, you know, we stay in business because we have advertisers, but the advertisements are not, you know, so in your face that, uh, that you don't like them. It's nothing like that. It's just, it's a good time. And, and, you know, we hope everybody wants to, to come and, and, and enjoy it with us. All right. Well, Rick, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and, uh, share some of your story and talk about whitetail.com uh 
Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the time, Dan. Appreciate it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Rick for taking time out of his day to hop on and chat with us. Huge shout out to Vortex, Wasp, Ozonics, and Lone Wolf, man. Please go out and support those companies. And other than that, man, I'm just going to keep this outro short. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to, uh, you know, uh, listen to the content that we put out here. Uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, more great content to come, especially for the Wisconsin guys. We got a, an awesome uh, podcast, new podcast coming out of out of that state that I think you guys are all going to like. And uh, good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next time. 